Welcome to STEM Unplugged, a monthly podcast designed to help you learn about STEM initiatives and to help advance STEM awareness. Now here's your host, Kelly Green. STEM Unplugged. I'm so excited to continue to be the host. Again, my name is Kelly Green, the Chief Operating Officer of SciTech Institute. And SciTech Institute is a collaborative nonprofit organization making STEM connections in Arizona and beyond. In the studio tonight, I actually have my team member, Claire Conway, who is focused on building the Arizona STEM ecosystem, one hub at a time. And our guests for tonight are really going to talk about exploring manufacturing in Arizona. So tonight in this episode of STEM Unplugged, we have Eric Miller on the show. He is the principal and co-founder of PADT, and we'll get to an, an explanation in a minute of what PADT is all about. Also on the show tonight, we have Earl Wiggins, the VP of Manufacturing and Operations from NPower Incorporated. So I'm super excited they're on with us. But I also asked Claire to join us because with this focus of Manufacturing Month, I think this is going to be a really great discussion. What do you think, Claire? Yeah, I'm really excited that we're able to celebrate Manufacturing Month this way. We're excited to be Zooming into classrooms all over the state and hosting panels and getting to talk to you all. So we have Eric on. I'd love for you to tell a little bit more about yourself and PADT. Share with our listeners some details. Great. So yeah, my name's Eric Miller. I'm one of the owners here at a company called PADT. A little bit about me. My background is I'm a mechanical engineer. I, I uh, moved all over the, the world as my dad was in the Air Force and ended up going to college at UC Berkeley a long, long time ago. Um, and graduated a degree in, mecha- yeah, a couple <laughs> years, degree in mechanical engineering uh, back in uh, 1986. I grew up when I was moving around the country. I spent a lot of time here in Arizona and, and kind of fell in love with it as a kid and came back. When I graduated and temporarily in order to save up enough money to be able to move back to the Bay Area and still saving money to be able to move back (laughs) to the Bay Area. But um, I I really enjoy living here and have been here since 1986. Really, really do enjoy the life here in Phoenix and love to see what we're going to talk about today, which is the rebirth. I'm not going to say the birth, but the rebirth of manufacturing in Arizona. We can talk about that a little bit later. Our company, PADT, we do mechanical engineering products and services. So people who design and build things come to us to either buy the products they use to design and build those things, or they come to us for consulting to help them design and build. We're about 90 folks based uh, here in Tempe with offices across the Southwest. And um, we just love this topic. Um, I'll put a plug in also for the Arizona Technology Council. I'm currently serving as the chairman of the board of that group, which is the the parent group for the SciTech Foundation. And um, really proud of what we've been able to do working with the Commerce Authority to get this um, this fantastic uh, uh, regrowth of manufacturing in the state. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really neat. You know, I'm going to share a little bit of the GCOI event. Oh, well, wait, what does PADT stand for? It stands for why engineers should not pick the names of companies. <laughs> um, it stands for Phoenix Analysis and Design Technologies because when we started the company back in 94, we were in Phoenix. We do analysis and we did design and it was everybody stuck technologies at the end of their name back then. So that's where we came up with the name. That's awesome. Yeah. So the governor's celebration of innovation, uh, Claire actually attended and that's where she met somebody who knew Earl, right? An employee or staff member. And so Earl, what is NPower all about? And can you tell us a little bit about your role and you know what you do here in Arizona? 
thanks for, for having me on. I really uh, appreciate it. So InPower is a lithium-ion battery company. So we are focused on the EV, electric vehicle market, um, developing batteries, uh, for particularly for that market. So, um, you know, a little bit about me. I've been with InPower for about six months now. Uh, prior to the, that, I... I, I actually came from the, the San Francisco Bay Area as, as well. So did Claire. Um, Didn't you go to school in the Bay Area? I was in. You guys are all yeah. transporting. <laughs> California is taking over Arizona. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, you know, grew, grew up there, went to high school there, went, went to a university place called Rose Holman Institute of Technology in Terre Haute, Indiana, small engineering school, um, way, way a long, very long time ago. Um, <laughs> you guys. So then went, just a went couple back of to the Bay Area and spent first 20 years of my career in uh, data storage, making hard disk drives, tape drives. Um, you know, I'm in most of the, you know, I work for a company, Quantum Corporation, that we have hard drives in most of the popular uh, computer brands you, you might have seen. Um, learned a lot about manufacturing there because we, we partnered with Panasonic in Japan to do our manufacturing. So learned a lot about the Japanese method of manufacturing. Then kind of jumped out of data storage and into energy storage uh, for a company, uh, Maxwell Technologies, um, that we started our manufacturing in San Diego. And actually what brought me to Arizona was we were growing um, quite rapidly at the time. And we moved our, we expanded our manufacturing into Arizona, into the uh, Peoria area in 2016. Stayed with Maxwell until we were actually acquired by Tesla due to our uh, proprietary uh, electro technology. And uh, then from, from Tesla came to Enpower. Uh, Enpower, it's, it's interesting that we're talking about manufacturing because really what Enpower does is we figured out a better way to manufacture lithium ion batteries to, to give better performance. That's incredible. So I even want to give Claire a little shout out. She's an engineer too, but you did biomedical. So you were trying to create these little pin pads tell me a little bit more about what what were yeah. you man what were you making i don't know if it's manufacturing but sort of i could see it as manufacturing uh, i was working on a dissolvable micro needle patch so mm. basically the substance is made of is water soluble so you put it on your skin and the needles themselves dissolve in the fluid between your cells and carry the drug into your body that's pretty cool because I know I've visited PADT. I got to take a tour. I got to see all of the really cool um, printers and the materials you use. You have such a wide variety of things that you can make. And when I think about what they were making and having it dissolve and then the you know gooey materials I saw in some of your print, ma- print <laughs> machines, all the way to what's in an ion battery, right? What is lithium ion? A lot of people probably have never seen the inside of a battery or if they did when we were kids, we would take stuff apart. But I don't know if people really are as curious of how it's made, what's in it. Um, Is it safe to open? (laughs) But um, I think that's really an exciting conversation about what we're doing here in Arizona and all of the things that are being created down the street, in the backyard, at the neighbor's company, or, you know, there's a lot coming here. So what role does your organization kind of play in the next steps? I heard a lot of transition from Earl, but even Eric, when you're thinking about what little pieces are you helping either design, create, and build, or consult with those companies? Like, 
where do you fit into the manufacturing in Arizona, um, you know, industry, I guess, because I think yeah. it's pretty big. As many places as possible. Um, <laughs> that's kind of our goal. A little background about manufacturing in Arizona. I think a lot of people don't know this. So manufacturing really started here in World War II. So when there was a lot of fear that the Japanese might bomb or shell the West Coast, they moved a lot of factories, not a lot, but some significant factories uh, here to Arizona because there was a railhead, uh, basically the, the Transcontinental Railroad. One of them went through Arizona and there was water and there was air conditioning. And so companies like Motorola and um, uh Howard Hughes built a lot of factories here that are now a lot of different names. Um, and those two companies, really, uh, Hughes and Motorola, established a lot of aerospace manufacturing here. And that just grew over the years. And when semiconductors started in the Bay Area, a lot of companies, including because Motorola was here, started building chips here as well. And Intel course, is very famous, um, had a fab here and Motorola had several and they built, Motorola built satellites and Hughes built missiles and helicopters and Honeywell, which was back then called Garrett, was building jet engines and all sorts of aerospace components. And so there was, Arizona's always had a lot of manufacturing jobs. And then when manufacturing kind of left the U.S. and went overseas, it kind of left Arizona as well. Mm -hmm. And we lost that expertise. Like this used to be a huge place. I don't know, a lot of people don't know this, but cell phones uh, were pretty much made in Arizona. Uh, Motorola kind of made that, invented that whole sector. And a lot of their manufacturing was here in Arizona. So a lot of people don't know that. Um, and we had a lot of injection molding and a lot of assembly that was done here for those early cell phones. Um, that, all, that all left. By the time I moved here, no coincidence though, and so it's great <laughs> it's to fault. see it come. Great to see it come back, right? To see these giant semiconductor fabs going in. So you know what we do at PADT is say say in Intel, they we help a lot on the design side of those things, but also on the manufacturing side, they're really, and 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 this is Earl's expertise, really cutting out all the waste from that process, and so they use the software that we sell to simulate that manufacturing process on the computer before they build the line or before they change the line to make sure that when they do this thing that will make the chip maybe a little bit better, a little bit more higher reliability, that that, that it'll work before they actually build it in the fab. So we do, we do a lot of that across industries, medical devices, uh, starting to get into batteries as we're seeing that grow here. And it's it's been a really great experience to see uh, how these customers of ours are improving manufacturing and they're using design and simulation and 3D printing to do that. I think it's a really important conversation because sustainability is, you know, important all over the world and really mm -hmm. understanding what the responsibility of those companies have to the earth and understanding if you can eliminate as much waste as possible, the power of, you know, making things more efficient. Um, I think that's a pretty intense conversation for a whole nother podcast. But to Earl, I'm curious about, you know, you've seen some transition and being here with the electrical vehicle industry coming, you know, in the droves, I guess, to Arizona, like what role, or maybe even from the management perspective, are there any skills that you would say are the most important for an employee to come work with you and understand that 
essential process of making it better and manufacturing more um, streamlining or being part of the discussion? Yeah. So, so I, I think there's a, a number of things that have happened in, you know, with the, the employee bases as the manufacturing has grown, especially in the electrical be, electric vehicle market is you're seeing a lot more high tech jobs, whether even at, at the, the lowest levels of the, the uh, organization, it's, you're going to be working with very complex machinery mm-hmm. um, and understanding how that machinery works. And so having good, everything's got a, a, a computer interface now. Mm-hmm. And so having very good computer skills and understanding how to be able to, to read and, main, and and understand data, I think is really one of the absolute critical skills that, that we're seeing in the workforce now, where I can speak for myself. I actually started school just as the microprocessor uh, revolution was starting. So I've seen it it grow the whole, the whole time. And now, you know, the skills that I had to learn while I was in college, you know, kids are coming out of grade school um, right. having those skills now. You know, they're kids who could probably program a lot better than I can that are, you know, still still in sixth, seventh grade and, and in high school. So having those computer skills and then having good math science foundation underneath them of, you know, how to, how to interpret data because the equipment they're going to work with in a manufacturing environment is really just going to be spitting out numbers and right for lithium ion batteries, you, you, you take a a sheet of foil, right? Um, Essentially aluminum and copper foil, not a little bit, higher grade than what you would use in, in your kitchen. And then you're going to put a slurry on it and run it through an oven. And, and we need to control it down to the micron level, right? So 10 to minus six meters, we got to control the thickness of this slurry that's coming out of an oven. And then you got to basically create the right size. And then there's a whole mechanical package that goes around it. So what we see when you, you know, you look at your D cell battery or your double A, is you just see the mechanical package. Inside is an electrical chemical device that there's a chemical reaction going on, and that's what actually gives you the energy. You move, you trans, you convert ions to electrons that actually power your device. And so the precision level um, that you're seeing in manufacturing now, whether it be at the semiconductor level of things into the, the nanometer and the angstrom measurement capability to lithium ion batteries where you're down into the, the, the micron level, it's you're really seeing the tolerances being pushed. And that's where I think the U.S. has an advantage over. I've, I've been to Asia a number of times in manufacturing facilities in Asia, but the U.S. really knows how to push technology and, and push technology forward. And that's what is required in manufacturing. Now, manufacturing is a very technical um, organization anymore. So that kind of brings me to Claire, and I know you're working on the Arizona Advanced Manufacturing Coalition and bringing the conversations of different companies and organizations in manufacturing together to kind of think about how do we prepare the workforce and how do we get students interested? Because, you know, you didn't go to school a couple of years ago, guys, right? I'm sure retirement's (laughs) on the horizon. But the idea of how do we get the students 
how do the organizations kind of build that buy-in of this is a lucrative career? There's a reason you should pay attention in sixth grade math. But Claire, are you hearing anything in those discussions when you're talking to different manufacturing um, groups? Absolutely. That's something that I've heard over and over again across the board is people saying, you know, we've got all these companies coming here to Arizona and opening new locations, and we need to make sure we have the students rising into those careers in order to fill that need. And so really making sure we're able to connect people from these companies to classrooms and to teachers to make sure they're, you know, advertising these careers, are getting kids excited about them. The kids are learning the skills that they're actually going to need when they start working. That's all really important for the next couple of years here. So I'm curious, Eric, I know you've presented to our chief science officers, sixth through 12th graders that are STEM ambassadors, and you've kind of um, shared your career path and your journey and the mistakes you've made. I don't think everybody always listens um, closely to the fact that mistakes are allowed. But if I invited you to tell, talk to an eighth grade class, how would you get them excited to work at PADT or in manufacturing in Arizona? What would you What would you say to inspire them to focus as they head into high school? Well, yeah, I mean, in manufacturing in general, I think is, is, is good. I think, you know, we have this impression that manufacturing is a dirty factory where yeah. I go in and I sit in front of a machine and I turn a knob, you know, 20 times a day. And those days are very long gone. You know, manufacturing is a skilled thing. Now, if it's, if, if we can make stuff with just people doing you know tasks over and over again, that's not going to be here in the U.S. That's going to be in a low-wage country, right? So these jobs are highly automated, and, and Earl really described it well. There's, there's a lot of math. There's a lot of input. There's a lot of data. And, it, and it's all about um, process, which is nearly getting into, into the weeds, but um, it's kind of like playing a game. I mean, what, why it's so interesting is I, I remember my, my first boss when I was an intern at Lockheed Missiles uh, or Lockheed in Space, he learned his trade on the diaper line at uh, Kimberly Clark. And you'd think, what's exciting about making diapers? <laughs> right. And he said it was the best job I've ever had because, you know, it was like a game. How can we get more diapers per day? Right? Mm. How can we make the machine go a little bit faster? How can we take out a little bit of waste? How can we upstream or downstream, make a small tweak? And so optimizing these systems is really like playing a game in a lot of ways and in order to get, it's, it's really kind of fun and, and it's really easy to measure, right? When you do it right, right, it's really, it's the number of diapers per day. When you do it wrong, it's you got paper flying all over the factory floor because <laughs> it didn't feed right, right? So Whoops. <laughs> um, it, it's pretty exciting stuff and it's a lot of fun and it's very challenging and you, you get to think a lot. And, you know, whether you're in a fab, you know, managing a machine that's making microchips or whether you're, you know, a lot of people don't know that we make rockets here in Arizona. So it's now owned by Northrop Grumman, but what used to be Orbital Sciences, you know, being out there building rocket engines, and putting rocket engines together, you know, it's really challenging and really exciting stuff. And I mean, what I would say is if you like to solve problems and you like to do different things all the time and you like challenges, then manufacturing is a great way to do it. And the pay don't suck either. It's <laughs> right. <really good> pay. 
I think there's something to be said about the different opportunities, even with you, Earl, right? Like you don't need everybody to be the engineer, right? You, you need different technicians, you need different skills. And I know Claire, you were talking to Westmec just the other day, we were talking about um, some of the boot camps at the Mesa community college for the Boeing electrical harnesses and putting the parts together is still a very lucrative job here in Arizona. So what are some of the opportunities that are coming with these, you know, large organizations and then even at NPower? What other types of skills or trades? Because I think people continue to forget the trades are a great place. And I told a, I told an electrician the other day, I was like, you guys are aging out. I'm sorry, but we've got to get some students in there and learning these skills. Otherwise, we're not going to have any electricians or plumbers or welders or individuals that know those specific skills. But back to you, Earl, like what, what are you looking for at Empower? Um, so what we're looking for, and and actually you, you kind of nailed it on the, on the head, you know, where in making batteries, the, the factory itself, the, the physical building is a large part of the process. So, you know, folks who can keep the, the HVAC systems running, right? Very important because we have to be in a dry, clean environment, have a dew point, you know, below 50 degrees, negative 50 degrees C. So, you know, Arizona's dry, we take it a level drier. Um, you've also got electricians, mechanical electro um, uh, technicians, where most, as um, we talked about, all of this is done with automation. So people have to maintain that automation. So you're, you're absolutely correct. Not everybody has to be an engineer. In fact, m- many of the people in the factory are not engineers, but you've got electromechanical technicians. You have electricians, right? You've got a lot of plumbing that goes on because we're, we're building a, uh, a slurry and then we have to transport that slurry. So it goes through a set of pipes, right? Those, unfortunately, any, anything mechanical can, can break at some point. And then the other big one is, is a lot of computer skills, database analysts, um, folks who can write database code and and pull data out of databases and and doing the analytics around it so statisticians um you know another great great field for manufacturing because it really is all about the data and and identifying trends so uh, you know that that whole puzzle of if you you know that kind of finding where's waldo or or finding what's the sequence here that that, that belongs that's really what manufacturing is about. It's things are going to go wrong. And, and that's why I love being in manufacturing is every day is different. I don't know what problem I'm going to have to solve tomorrow. I know it's going to be different than the problem I had to solve today. And so really having those problem solving skills, whether it be the person who's monitoring this piece of automation and watching the parts go by and then says, hey, wait a minute, I've, I've noticed that this is crooked three parts in a row right? And, and stopping the machine. That's, you know, there, there's all sorts of careers that in there, but you, you do have to have that, you know, inquisitive nature about you. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think that's what I love about Claire too, is she's very process oriented. And, you know, that's one thing, you know, I'll say to Eric, right? SciTech Institute has been growing not only with the support of the tech council and the collaborations of all the companies of the members, but we're actually defining our process as well. And, you know, it's this, you know, manufacturing your future, this whole month of really thinking about 
Where do you want to go? Where are you going to be? What's the pathway I can take? And identifying that process is something, you know, Claire, I'm really excited that you've been able to be here, collaborate with those companies and say, what do we need to start telling teachers and students and companies so that we can get you all together and say, look, I found the a few students who would love to tour your location, see what you do at a, on a daily basis. Um, like I mentioned, I got the opportunity to visit PADT. So I'm just going to throw it out there, Earl. We'd love to come visit. <laughs> sure. How do you make we'd a battery? Love, we'd love to have you here. We'll show you how, you know, a very cool battery. battery together. That's so very cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, one, one thing that, that I want to add is um, I think a lot of people think, you know, my personality and what I like to do doesn't fit manufacturing. And one of the great things about manufacturing is regardless of what kind of gets your motor going, there's probably a place in manufacturing for you, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I, I always think of the, those people that are like, I like to, you know, eat my food in this particular order and everything has got to be in the right place. Well, quality control would love to talk to you, right? <laughs> we need people like that, right? And the, and the, some people that kind of like to be moving all the time and, and, you know, you, you know, physically doing things. Well, there's a lot of equipment that needs to be roomed around, you know, forklifts and, and warehouse and things like that. There's, there's a role for for you there that we talked about the maintenance folks. We talked about the problem solvers, the creative folks, you know, whatever kind of gets, gets you going, there's probably a place in a factory for you. And in that's here what in Arizona. Like and, you, and now in Arizona, right. Yeah. Cause we, and industry, right? So if you want to, if you want to make the world a better place, you know, there's first solar, right? And you can you can work on solar. And if you if you really you know love to to work in defense, there's a lot of defense stuff. If you want to work in medical, there's medical. If you like high tech, there's high tech. And it's there's nothing cooler than going into a store or sitting in a car and going or watching the space station go by overhead and go, I worked, I built something that's on that. Yeah. And, it's a great, it's rewarding. That's a pretty cool point. And I, you know, I'm going to defer back to the youngest individual in the room, Claire, like when you were becoming a biomedical engineer and you were thinking about what motivated you, how do we continue to encourage the 20 to 28 year olds that are in that weird, I don't know if you guys were ever in that weird situation of like, what am I going to do with my life? (laughs) But I was getting like yesterday. (laughs) So, you know, I was in the army for 20 years, so it was a very comfortable, like I know where I'm going, but for those students like yourself that are finishing a degree, figuring out where to go as you've explored some of and learning about the different opportunities here, did you have any idea manufacturing had so many different options? I'm even thinking project management, right? Like oh, yeah. people like to be the boss. Yeah. There's lots of opportunities project there. Project management, procurement, right? I mean, supply chain. The whole yep. supply chain is, you know, somebody's in manufacturing, you're buying material and you're transforming it into something else. Somebody has to find the vendors to buy the material. There, there's, it touches everything. I don't care what degree you, you come out of school with. It'll be used in manufacturing. That's awesome. Any words of wisdom from the young group? Like, what are you, what are you looking for? What it's different, right? I, I think the generation of you get up, you go to work, you think 20 years, right? That's kind of long gone. There's a transition of different locations or different jobs, but what would you say to your, even five years ago? Like, yeah, I think honestly, even just working on this project, the, our manufacturing coalition for the last couple of months, 
I've been so blown away to see all of the opportunities that I had no idea were here in Arizona and how many ways you can get there. I think a lot of times people think, you know, if I want to work at Boeing or I want to work at NPower, I have to go get a four-year engineering degree. And that is so not the case. There are so many ways that you can get into the industry and, you know, community college programs and CTE programs or boot camps or uh, even apprenticeships. I think just realizing how many opportunities are actually here and communicating that message to students who are just really starting to think about what they might want to do, you know, talking to those those middle schoolers and those high schoolers and saying, hey, you know, there's a lot more out here than you might actually realize is going to be really important in getting them excited about it. I go back to what you said, Eric. It's not a dirty factory, right? So mm-hmm. I know my sister works at Corning and she makes little components that go into the dashboard of something. I don't know what those are. I probably shouldn't have told you that, but um, <laughs> it's not a secret. But the point of you're right. Who did you know what you could do at this location and build a certain part that then goes into the next part of the supply chain? Or do you even understand logistics? How does it get to Walmart? I was talking to chief science officers today and they kind of like hemmed and hawed when I told them I grew up on a farm and we butchered our own beef. They were like, oh. I'm like, how do you think it gets to the grocery store? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's it grows fresh. on trees inside the store. <laughs> so I, I think there's an opportunity here, gentlemen, for us to really continue to collaborate and show not just those students, but even those, I mean, heck, at 40, you can change your career and identify that there's a great opportunity and it's not... There are factory work there. That's definitely an option. But I mean, let's drive a forklift. I think that'd be a cool skill, right? Or (laughs) be a laser operator or something cool, like make something fun. But I think that's a really cool opportunity that you were both on the show with us tonight. And it was a nice conversation and we don't want it to end. So definitely stay connected. But let's be honest, a lot of us don't really understand the difference between semiconductor and battery manufacturing. And you could probably have us come to her and I still wouldn't understand, Earl. But in a snippet, what would you say? What's the difference between semiconductor and battery manufacturing? Um, one of the biggest differences is, is think of battery is the, the main part of a battery, which is the electrode, is made sort of like paper where you, you roll it out. Semiconductor is is sputtered, so you're depositing molecules onto a dye. Mm. So one is, you know, sort of an individual wafer. The other one is a big long sheet of of foil, and so one's a roll to roll, and one's a, a kind of a, a static process. I've definitely visited on semiconductor, so I've seen the wafers, and so Claire, we're totally going to go visit Earl. You, oh you yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen. Um, To our listeners, we want to definitely let them know that you are interested in getting connected and inviting them to experience your STEM opportunity at your location. So to those of you that are on tonight, maybe you're an industry professional seeking ways to make a different impact, or maybe you're a student searching for a mentor or even a community college or a program out there that supports internships, apprenticeships. Um, programs or classes or experiences, we want to get connected. Claire would love to invite you to the Manufacturing Coalition, but we really just want to help you meet the right people to make it happen. So 
What's one way they can get in touch with you, Eric? The best way to get in touch with me is LinkedIn. Um, so if you just search for Eric Miller, P-A-D-T, I'll show up. Um, it, and uh, also just go to our website, www.padtinc.com. And if you're connected to the SciTech Foundation, just ask them. Yep. They don't know how to get a hold of me. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's that's the best way to do it. And I will put it. I will definitely recommend that you watch our social media feed because we'll be bringing back our open house that's uh, STEM oriented. Yay. Hopefully, if the numbers go down in the in the uh, in the spring. That unfortunately was the first thing we canceled because of COVID was that event uh, two years ago now, or a year and a half ago now. Um, and hopefully we'll be doing that again in, in February uh, timeframe. And it's a great opportunity to come out and see what we do here. Uh, I, I recommend that uh, people do take a look at all the events that the SciTech Foundation puts on. Um, that was the, the, the origin of, the, of your organization, yeah. right? Was, was that those events. And a lot of the companies we've been talking about today We'll have open houses as part of that, hopefully, uh, if it's safe enough uh, this in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. We're headed into the 11th season of the Arizona SciTech Festival. That's insane wow. and exciting and crazy. And we're going to do hybrid this year. So even if we can't open the doors, maybe we could take a virtual tour, Eric, and really kind of show yep. them all those cool materials and printers that you have over there. It's it's just I had no idea. <laughs> well, I didn't have 3D printers. I grew up on a farm, I told you, so we had tractors. <laughs> but um, Earl, what about you? What What's a great way for them to reach out and connect with NPower? Yeah, so so the best way is just just like Eric mentioned, is LinkedIn. So just search, search Empower Inc., as well as you could search Earl Wiggins at Empower Inc., and then also at empowerinc.com on our website is we've got um, videos that kind of show our process, also some white papers that discuss what we do different than than other lithium-ion battery manufacturers. Because you know, in order to succeed in the world, you got to differentiate a little bit. Uh, yeah, those are, those are the the best methods. And you know, as we grow, we're we're currently a startup, and we're going to grow into uh, a much much larger company here in the, the the near future. Is we plan to also do open houses and and get people interested and excited in you know the battery industry because the you know this is becoming the ev desert mm -hmm. the whole stretch from from tucson up through through phoenix is you know electric vehicles battery manufacturing systems motors cars the the whole the whole gamut is is going to be occurring here in the arizona area it's it's got a great business climate for it and it's got a, a great overall climate for it yeah, another shout out to the Arizona Tech Council and what they're able to do to bring people together and showcase the opportunities that are here. So really exciting. What about you, Claire, for the Arizona Advanced Manufacturing Coalition or even getting connected with you if they do want to reach out and have classroom visits? Absolutely. There are a couple of different ways you can get connected with the coalition. We've got our website, azamc.org. And on there, you'll find all sorts of information about the manufacturing industry in Arizona. Uh, you can find employers. You can learn about the credentials you need to get different jobs in the industry. Uh, you can also find old editions of our newsletter. You can get connected with us um, through that. And you can also always reach out to me at workforce at scitechinstitute.org or just my personal email, cconway at scitechinstitute.org. Yeah, I want to, I kind of want to pitch it out there too. If you have content, you just mentioned Earl has videos. 
Um, if you'd like specific highlights to go out in the upcoming newsletter or any content that you'd like um, shared on that website, share it with Claire. We'll we'll make sure we get some updates and uh, really feature what Empower is actually doing. Same with PADT, right? Again, thank you both so much for joining us tonight. We're so excited to talk about um, not just manufacturing in Arizona, but advanced manufacturing in Arizona and where we're headed. The next 10 years are just going to go so fast and the amazing things that are coming here and the opportunities for families to really have a lucrative career in Arizona and collaborate with all of the different organizations in the logistics pipeline is uh, really powerful. So again, thank you for joining us for STEM Unplugged, exploring manufacturing in Arizona. We appreciate you both. And if you would like more information, you can contact all of us at SciTechInstitute.org. This is your host, Kelly Green, and we would be glad to discuss how you can get connected. Thank you for joining us for this episode of STEM Unplugged. We encourage you to get involved in the STEM community and stay connected at SciTechInstitute.org.